Yeah, let's run the out of the ball, baby. They're wrestling, so are we. Punch them in the mouth. Raise your glasses to kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Clair. With me today is Jake Elrod. Today we're going to do, as we promised, this little impromptu uh, Colts uh, podcast. We'll talk about the Ballard po uh, postseason press conference that he does every year. Uh, it's the first time we've really heard of Chris Ballard since probably the beginning of the year, if I'm correct. Um, there was a lot to get into, so... Uh, we'll dive. To, we'll just go ahead and dive right into it. And Jake, it was about. I think it was about a 70-minute press conference, and I don't know how long that usually is on average for everyone else. But I think they said it was about 70 questions, and no, no surprise. Almost 30 of them were about quarterbacks and draft and rookie quarterbacks, quarterbacks coming out of the draft and everything like that. So probably the biggest story in the storyline that came from the press conference was about what Ballard said about Jacoby, and he said the jury is still out on Jacoby. So what did you get from Chris Ballard in the press conference? Um, what like, what, what were some things that you thought stood out uh, when he was talking about the quarterbacks? I was just honestly surprised at how on honest he was about Jacoby. I thought that maybe they were going to cover for him a little bit more. Ballard um, was honestly pretty honest about everyone on the roster. Yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was more candid than I expected especially at the end of the season when they, you know, are still kind of evaluating things and seeing where they want to go moving forward. I, I just thought that you saw somebody who was very raw, you know, obviously the emotions were still there with him. Um, you know, he, he's an extremely passionate general manager. And, you know, that's one of the things that frustrates me when people rip on Chris is because he cares a ton. I mean, in terms of general managers, I, I've seen a ton of them in their press conferences. You know, we've had some ourselves. He's one of the most passionate general managers I've ever seen. You know, he's he's almost like a fan himself. And he said in the press conference that when things don't go well, he gets as mad as the fans. And a couple well, we times we saw it. We saw it in the press conference when they talked about the depth of the roster. He got red in the face and he got pretty upset about that, which is probably yeah. the first time I've seen Chris Ballard ever get that furious. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, he expects more out of himself. He expects more out of his roster. You know, he's in year three now. I think he takes more of this personally than he did a year or two ago. And you saw that in the press conference, uh, you know, throughout it, uh, throughout it, he was very honest. He ha he held no punches with himself, with the roster, with the coaches. He really was completely honest with everyone. And, you know, it's great to hear that coming off of a season where a lot of fans are saying, okay, well, what's Valor going to do now? Is he going to, you know, kind of lie to what's going on or is he going to acknowledge the problems that exist and, and move on with it? And it, and it extends outside of Jacoby. Uh, obviously he touched on that, but, you know, he, he acknowledged that there are other holes on the roster. There isn't the type of talent on this roster necessary right now to be able to make a deep playoff run. So he was very honest with that. He took that, he took that accountability and owned it. Um, you know, he did it with passion. He did it with, with a lot of candid honesty. And, and that was the biggest takeaway for me from the press conference as a whole was just that this is a guy that I think we have can have a lot of confidence in that he's going to do everything he can to make sure 
this roster is better in the coming seasons. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he attacks this offseason. I don't think he really changed in, in terms of what he said about free agency and things, but I'm, I'm interested to see how aggressive he is with his draft capital, how aggressive he is with that money he has. You know, what are they going to do to be able to upgrade the talent? Because, you know, he's going into year four and he understands that these results now are reflective upon himself and his front office. And he has a lot of pride in what he does and a lot of confidence in himself. So when his roster goes out and wins seven games, he obviously took that very hard. Yeah, and I just saw it. First, first, the first thing he said was, Angel looks retired, we need to move on. And I think that's the perfect answer he could have made there. And I remember he even said that on August 24th, late that night. He said, Andrew's retired, and we need to move forward with this operation. And it's good to see that he's not sulking over it. But I thought it was pretty interesting that he said that he didn't necessarily get over the Andrew Luck retirement or he hadn't thought past it until, what, Jan- I think it was January 1st or December 31st, like one or two days after the season finished. And I thought that was pretty interesting because – but then he kind of backed it up and said, said that, you know, during the middle of the season he kind of just can't really reflect on it. You're in your, you're in your season crying. But I, like you said, Ballard's pretty impassioned and everything like that. And he didn't really reveal what he's going to do in free agency in the draft. He did say he liked the quarterbacks coming out, and he kind of hinted that he did say that he wants a quarterback. He must be a leader, whether that's vocal or lead by example. I think he wants more lead by example or lead uh, raw raw guys because we don't really have them on the Colts roster. But I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I even joked with you. I even said that Ballard could possibly. Uh, I would like to see what Ballard is as a poker player because he, he 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 likes to hint at things, but then again, he doesn't give us a whole lot. And we kind of saw that in the press conference. Yeah, and that's what that's what a smart general manager is going to do. I mean, he's not going to tip his hand. He's not going to give teams, you know, any sort of ammunition. I know it may seem kind of petty. Some fans that listen to it say, well, you know, obviously the league knows what you need. But, you know, I mean, at the same time, you don't want to yourself put out your plan, map out your plan for the league to see, um, you know, and it's just any competitive advantage you can get. And plus, Ballard doesn't want to box himself in. I mean, you know, in terms of his his comments on Jacoby, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a second, you know, he he's not going to box himself in with a guy that could potentially be the starter week one next year. Or you don't know. I mean, if, if this doesn't work out for Jacoby, maybe Jacoby, he seems like a very smart person. Maybe he realizes that, hey, maybe my role in this league is a backup. Maybe he will accept a backup role on this team long term. And if Chris Ballard you know, goes out there and kind of throws him under the bus. He's not, you know, he's not going to want to do it here. So Chris Ballard is being smart with himself, smart with his plan and everything. But in terms of what he said about Andrew Luck, I mean, I just, I just found that comment interesting and, and really, you know, kind of reflective on how traumatic this decision was for Chris Ballard and for this franchise. I mean, and Chris will never admit it. Like you said, he kind of it backtracked. Reset the, it's, it reset the rebuild, really. I mean, you go yeah. from... Ten wins, and you have your franchise quarterback. You need to add a few more pieces to a seven-win team with no quarterback or no answer, long-term answer at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and if you account for Andrew Luck, you know, getting this team an extra three wins based off of what it is, I mean, that's that's at least a ten-win team. And I think this team's closer to twelve or thirteen wins with him. You know, we lost a lot of really, really close games that Andrew usually pulls out, and I think that that was just something that I don't think really hit him. And and the full impact of it, and he's never going to say how big of a how big of an alteration this caused in in their process moving forward. 
But it's huge, man. I mean, because now remember when he came. Remember when he got hired here. He said the reason was because the big reason was because of Andrew Luck and because he's got the quarterback. Yep. And and with with losing Andrew Luck, it hurts twofold because you lose the most important position on the team and you lose a blue chip player, which the Colts don't have too many of. I mean, you know, Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard were both All Pros again this year, but outside of them. You don't really have impact game-changing players, and the positions that they play do impact how much of an impact they actually make on a game. You know, I mean, because you talk about premium positions, they don't play premium positions. Now, that doesn't mean they aren't, you know, altering the score of games because you know Quentin Nelson's blocks at times open up huge runs that wouldn't have been there, and Darius Leonard forces turnovers that wouldn't have been there with someone else on the team. So I'm not trying to minimize their impact, but you know, in terms of having the quarterback, having a pass rusher having those things, those premium positions, they don't have impact players there. So for you to lose a blue chip player like Andrew Luck is just a brutal, brutal blow to their to their playoff hopes for now and in the immediate future. And, and again, Ballard isn't going to publicly state that, but that's just the fact of the matter is that that was a huge, huge thing. And I, like, like Ballard said, it didn't really hit him till after the season because you go from potentially having a buy in the playoffs and preparing for the playoffs this week or next week and now you're sitting here answering questions about are you going to draft a quarterback? Are you going to sign a quarterback? Is Jacoby your quarterback in the future? And I don't think that in August that really hit him the way it did. And I, again, I think that circles back to he thought this roster was probably better than it is. I think he thought that this was a more prepared team to handle that kind of loss. And obviously it wasn't. And and like you said, that's something that just hit him a couple days ago. Yeah. And so moving on to Jacoby, like, like I said earlier, Ballard said almost right off the bat that the jury's still on Jacoby. He did back it up and say that Jacoby played well at times. I don't think he said necessarily the injury affected Jacoby later in the season, the last month or so, but the first two weeks after the after the injury affected his play. But he did come out wide out say that Jacoby has to be better. So I think it's going to be very interesting. He said as of right now, Jacoby is the starter week one of 2020. But then he backed it up and said, I also thought Andrew Luck was going to be my starter week one of 2019. So... I, I, Ballard's doing well. He's doing well by playing his cards and, you know, saying Jacoby's the guy right now, but obviously he preaches competition. So I can, it almost, by hearing his comments, it sounds like he's going to at least add a quarterback either in free agency or in the draft. I think it's more than draft, but I think Ballard was pretty up, was pretty upfront honest that, hey, Jacoby played well, but in the latter, later half of the year, his play started to fall off. Yeah, I mean, and this was one of the most surprising elements to this press conference to me was just how honest he was about Brissett. I mean, he really echoed what a lot of rational fans say. I mean, you know, Jacoby wasn't terrible. He had his good moments. 14 touchdowns in, what, five games? First five games? Yeah. I mean, he uh, Chris Ballard hit the nail on the head. It was a tale of two halves. And, you know, it'll be up to him to look at the film and see – what the what the problem was in the second half of the season. He acknowledged they needed more weapons. You know, he said Frank has to help Jacoby. He didn't Jacoby. really talk about the injury to his effector. He, he did say the first one or two games mechanically he was wrong, but after that he really didn't say the main reason why Jacoby fell off in the second half of the season was because of his knee injury. Well, and if there's one thing that we can take away from the press conference, if anything, it's that Ballard isn't letting any injuries excuse percent of his play. I mean, you heard him say flat out, I don't care about injuries. I mean, if they, if you're out there or if you're playing with the other guys out there, you're expected to go out on the field and win. So Ballard doesn't care if he was throwing to Zach Pascal and Chester Rogers and whoever else. 
he expects Jacoby to go out there and perform with those guys because those are guys that made his 53-man roster. So he's going to be evaluated the same way those guys are going to be evaluated. And I found that very refreshing. I mean, that was one thing that really, really hit home for me was the fact that he was completely in not excusing him with the knee injuries, especially with all we've heard on the media and, you know, some of the coaches talking about the knee injury. Ballard didn't really use that as an excuse at all. And I think that's a huge thing going into this offseason that could change everything because, you know, I know we've said it that, you know, they can easily use the wide receiver injuries, the knee injury starting two weeks before the season. They have every excuse in the book to bring this guy back as a starter in 2020 and not address the quarterback situation. But I don't think Ballard gave any indication that that's what they're going to do. I think that he's going to leave all options open. Do I think that he's open to bring Jacoby back as a starter next year? Yes, but I don't think that he's going to completely dismiss it. And I think the odds of us drafting a quarterback are higher than maybe most people thought going into the offseason based off of his comments in the press conference. I think that he is going to be very, very open to bring another wasn't, And there really wasn't a question about free agency quarterbacks, but he also didn't really talk about bringing in a quarterback via free agency, even though there's been a lot of rumors now that Philip Rivers or Tom Brady might be joining the Colts. Yeah, I don't think that's a realistic option. I think that they gave Brissett the contract, and Ballard said this himself, that they gave Brissett the contract so that he was their stopgap starter if he wasn't the guy for the future. They feel like he is good enough to be a stopgap starter, and I don't see them you know, going through the process of cutting him and bringing in a veteran quarterback and all those things when you have at least a serviceable starter. I mean, if, if the situation with the receivers were better for Brissett, maybe you add an extra win and you're eight and eight or nine and seven, you know, and, and again, the kicking situation plays into, plays into it there. Also Vinatieri missed some kicks that cost us a couple wins, you know, so, you know, if, if Brissett's given the perfect situation or a better situation, he can get you nine wins. So I, I just don't think Ballard and company are thinking, Oh, this guy's so bad that we have to knock him out the door. In, in February, you know, as soon as we're able to cut this guy, we're going to do it. I don't think they view him in that light, but I think that the press conference made it clear that as of right now, they're not even close to sold on him um, as a starter of the future for this team. And that's a complete 180 from what we heard from him and Frank Wright going into the season when they were just singing this guy's praises. They were all over this guy. But at the end of the day, you know, Ballard, it's up to Ballard to determine whether or not he wants his job to hinge on the play of Jacoby Brissett because at the end of the day, a lot of general managers get fired and, and a lot of it's over quarterback play. If the quarterback's not producing well, the team's obviously not going to win. So if he sticks with Jacoby next year, this is going to start staining him as a general manager. And I think he's well aware of that. And I think he's smart enough and watches the film and he's able to, to digest the film far easily enough to understand that Jacoby just isn't getting the job done as a, franchise quarterback and he's going to at least look into addressing that in the draft this offseason I'm really because he he also said that you don't want to talk yourself into a guy so I'm wondering if they yeah, really you don't want to force the evaluation which I thought yeah, was beautiful you can't you they, can't you can't force because that's how you get fired that's how you get fired in the NFL I agree and if they if they really really like a guy that's projected to go top 10 is he going to be willing to trade up into the top 10 or is he going to say we like this guy you know, at 34, we hope he falls to 34. And if he doesn't, are they going to just not draft a guy 
if it doesn't organically fall into their draft range, I'm really interested to see how he handles it because, you know, I agree with him. You don't want to sit here and, you know, force a guy on your, on your, uh, on your scouts or on your coaching or on your roster. You don't want to force a guy. I completely agree with him. But at the end of the day is if there's a guy he really, really likes outside of obviously Joe Burrow or, you know, maybe even two, I don't know if those guys are realistic, but any of the guys, you know, three through six on the draft board are, are pretty reasonable uh, franchise guys we think that they could be and a lot of other analysts have said that there are you know some potential franchise guys in this draft does he does he utilize his draft capital to go and get one of those guys that's what I think is going to be the key and and shape his future as a general manager because you know it's real easy to get a guy at 13 if he falls to you but if there's a guy that's projected to go seven you say man this guy could be the future he could be a, an all pro type quarterback are you willing to trade up and go get that guy? That's what I think is going to be interesting to me when, when April comes and, and how they handle that in the draft. Cause this that's, is something we haven't had to see from him yet. And I think one, one thing that's going to be interesting, I'm going to keep talking about it all off season until April comes is, you know, the Colts are in a really good spot here at 13. If a team moves up and gets a quarterback or, you know, it's quarterback heavy, there's three, maybe four quarterbacks taken before them. There's going to be some really talented guys that fall to them at 13 that they could get a premium position, like an interior defensive lineman. Ballard emphasized that as a need this offseason. And then they could very much easily, you and me had talked about it the other day, moving back into the late first round, like what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, like what a lot of teams have done with their quarterbacks. They could very much easily end up trading, I don't know what the what the order or what the offer would have to be. It'd probably have to be both your second round picks, but if you can move your two second-round picks and move back into the late first, like 28 or 29, and get a guy like Jake Fromm. I know you and me are not high on him. Or a guy like Jacob Eason or a guy that's possibly falling in the draft. That's a very big possibility, and that's a possibility I think the Colts could go down. Yeah, and I think that's probably the most likely option. Um, you know, I don't think any of these guys are, you know, worth trading into the top 10 for outside of the two at the top. But um, you know, I mean, I think that it's definitely plausible that they trade and back. If, in the first round. if you get one more thing real fast, if, if you get a guy at 20, 29, late first round compared to 13th overall, he's not pressured Im- immediately to start right away. Or it's not a, hey, is he the starter now over Jacoby? It's a, you know, you take a guy at 28, 20. It used to be, you know, back in the day, if you draft a guy in the first round, he plays. But we saw with Lamar Jackson, perfect example. He, drafted, he was drafted late in the first round. The Ravens traded back into the first round to get him. He started or he started half the first year on the bench behind Joe Flacco and then played the second half of the year. And look what he's done this second season as the uh, possible MVP, all-pro type quarterback he is now. That could very much be in place here. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point. I mean, one thing with Chris Ballard that fans have to understand is he's not going to vote a pressure. He's not going to do anything outside of what he thinks is best. He's not going to go on social media or listen to ESPN. Some of the comments he made, you can tell he hears the noise. He made some comments about some things that we've heard on social media and on, you know, on, on news outlets and things like that. He hears it, but he doesn't care. I mean, if he drafts a guy and he says, you know, I really like this guy, but he's not ready to start. Regardless, he's not going to start that guy. If we start 0-4 next year and he doesn't feel like the guy's ready, we're not going to start that guy. He is going to do what he thinks is best long term. And as long as he has a plan, I'm on board with that. And I think a lot of fans need to be able to understand 
that this guy is not going to make any knee-jerk reactions. He didn't do it with Adam Vinatieri. He didn't do it with Jacoby Brissett. He didn't yank Brissett and put in Chad Kelly like some people were wanting to do. He didn't. He doesn't make knee-jerk reactions to try to appease the fans or try to. He wants to make sure he gets proper evaluations on every player on this roster, and he wants to make the best decision for this franchise moving forward. And that circles back to him having supreme confidence in himself as Italian evaluator and confidence in himself as a general manager. <clears throat> He's going to do what's best for this team going into next season and going in beyond that. He's not going to rush a guy to start week one, whether they draft him, if they move up to draft him at number five or they draft him at 34 or 44 or whatever they pick. He's not going to rush that. So I think that's one thing that we all have to really accept and wrap our heads around is regardless of whether we draft a guy or not, it's far, far from a guarantee that they're the starter in 2020. Because I think, you know, me and you have talked a lot about quarterbacks that, you know, a lot of these guys have really, really high upside, a lot of really good tools. But most of the guys that we really like or the guys that are expected to go to the top half of the draft or in the top five of this draft class are not really ready to take over the reins of a, of a franchise or put them in a good position to do so day one. So I think that that we really have to brace for the fact that is there a possibility we draft a guy? Yes, I think that's a high possibility. Is it also a high possibility that Jacoby resets our starter week one next re- season? Yes, I think that's a, a possibility unless he just plays so poorly in the offseason or practices so poorly that they just kick him to the curb. I think that it's very possible that both of those things can happen. So let's move over. We wrote down a few, a few things that Ballard really emphasized throughout the whole press conference. And one one thing they really talked about the defense overall, but Ballard really emphasized interior pressure. He thinks the especially the three technique needs to needs to be a lot bigger factor next year. And you and me talked about the Nico Autry not being not playing as well this year. He only had three and a half sacks. He also talked about Tyquan Lewis. He said this is a big offseason. We need they need to see something from him, but he emphasized a lot of interior pressure from the defensive line. Talked about the defense needs to turn the ball over, which I thought was interesting because they were doing that at a pretty high rate at the end of the season. And then he also talked about he also talked about veteran leadership, which you and me both thought was pretty interesting because Ballard is a lot of he, he he likes his young guys. He doesn't really want to have a whole bunch of veterans in there. Um, and then he also talked about accountability, and that kind of went with the uh, comment he made about the five and two riding the momentum. And then once the Colts started to fall off, nobody was really challenging or being held accountable in that locker room, which is a little surprising. But uh, those are just a couple things that Bauer emphasized, and I thought it was fairly interesting to hear so much about what he had to say about the defense overall. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a surprise. I think from day one, he's really emphasized defense. Um, I think a lot of that, too, was well not a lot of it but I think there was a factor of you had the franchise quarterback so you really expected the offense to kind of take care of itself in a way but you know as long as he got him an offensive line which he did but he really emphasizes defense and I I'm not surprised that he wasn't even close to happy with the way the defense played especially down the stretch um you know the big plays were far too many they didn't get good pass rush you know they were giving up too many too many game-changing plays and they weren't forcing enough turnovers so again I've, I've pounded on this the entire season on the pod is that he the, the the makeup of this defense is prevent big plays and force turnovers and he said himself that if we give up 80 yard drives on dink and dunk plays so be it I will I will do that if if we have to do that but I am not going to give up game-changing plays because the philosophy is you can't dink and dunk your way to wins you can't dink and dunk your way to 25 30 points it's just not we we did it this season 
I mean, you saw what happened when you have a quarterback that does that this season with us. It doesn't work. I mean, we had a great offensive line. We had a great run game. We had serviceable receivers, and we still weren't able to put up respectable offensive numbers because you have to make big plays. And that's what Chris Ballard wants his defense to be able to do. And he pointed out Malik Hooker specifically tailing off. He's a big part of that. You talk about the pass rush. He talked about interior pass rush. That's a big part of that. So you have to be able to limit those plays and be able to force turnovers for, for his scheme to be successful, for Matt Eberflus's scheme to be successful. Those, those things have to play into it. And they didn't happen at the end of the season. I was really surprised at the amount of big plays we gave up. And that was ultimately a huge, huge factor in, in why we were not winning the games that we were winning early on in the season. Because early on in the season, we were giving up yards, but we weren't giving up game-changing plays. And towards the end of the season, that changed. So that's something I think that it had a lot to do with Kenny Moore not being in the lineup. Yeah, and I think a I lot mean, of people are not going to talk about that. Yeah, he pointed out Kenny Moore, and Kenny Moore is really an unsung hero. I mean, you know, it's just crazy how well this guy plays and still doesn't really get much credit for it. Um, you know, I mean, he got an all pro vote. I, a lot of people saw the all pro ballot. He got an all pro vote, you know, and that goes to show how good he is. He's a Pro Bowl alternate. I think he should have been voted into the Pro Bowl outright. Um, you know, but that just goes to show he's just a very, very underappreciated guy. His tackling ability, his, his intelligence to know where to be in that zone, his his value as a blitzer in this package, um, you know, creates a lot of instant pressure that you don't get from the defensive line. His value to this defense is very, very understated. I mean, outside of Darius Leonard, he's easily our, our second best and most important defensive player to be on the field. And and when he's not in there, it makes a world of difference. And and Chris Ballard acknowledged that. And it was really hard for this defense to have success without Kenny because, again, they have nice depth pieces. I think they have nice young players. I think that this team can withstand injuries for a couple games, which they couldn't do before. But they don't. They just don't really have many blue-chip players on this defense. They need a couple more because when a guy like Darius Leonard or a guy like Kenny Moore goes down, the defense changes because those are really the only top-flight players we have at their position. I mean, you just have a lot of solid guys everywhere else. You have you know Pierre Desir, who's solid. Anthony Walker, who's solid. Jabal Shear, solid. You know, uh, Grover Stewart, solid. You just have solid all over the place. They the need defense more. is still growing. It's so it's still so young. I think like almost all, maybe probably not Jabal Shear and Justin Houston, but I feel like everyone on the whole defense that's is a regular starter is still on their first contract. And I think the defense is still. We talked about on the last show. The defense is still growing. It's still very young. So I think it's still, you know, we still got to wait another year or two before we really see what this defense can bring. I mean, and, and he brought it up that when he took this job over, they didn't really have any pieces to work with defensively. I mean, they didn't really have anybody to build this defense around. They didn't even have any keepable pieces. Well, his first signing was Jabal Shear, a defensive yep. lineman. Yep. I mean, in the, first, the only guy that's left from the previous regime is Clayton Gathers, and they really only keep him around not for because— long. Probably not for long. No, but they really like his leadership. They love him as a person, and he, he was a serviceable enough player to keep around— um, you know, they hit him behind some other safeties that they brought in. And, and so they kept him around as a leader. And, and I understand that. But it just goes to show that if Clayton Gathers is the only guy left from the previous regime, it was bad. And you can't just draft guys in the first two years and expect them to come in and play top 10 defense. I mean, I, I, I do think that there were some scheme flaws with Eberflus this year. I think he should have changed things up more towards the end when things weren't working. I don't think it was all on the personnel, but you can't realistically expect first and second year players to be consistent and, and play playoff style playoff winning football 
I mean, that's what you, when you have guys in year one and year two, they're still young. They're still learning this game. And I think that's something that gets looked over a lot by the fans and the local media when they criticize, you know, the performances this year is these guys are all so, so young. I mean, I thought Chris Ballard was in line for talking about Malik Hooker. He's a third year player. He should have been better at the end of the year. I thought he was really good the first half, but then his his performance went off. I mean, Taekwon Lewis, he talked about he was only a second year player, but at the same time, he hasn't been healthy and hasn't really shown too many flashes of of quality play, even when he has been in there. So I don't think he was really out of line in who he talked about, but he acknowledged that a lot of these guys being in first and second years, they still have growing to do. And this team still has growing to do. They still have to learn. They have to mesh. To create a culture takes a long time. It it doesn't happen over the course of two or three years. When you have a guy like Andrew Luck, you're able to cover those things and be able to do it kind of behind the scenes. But without him, those guys are thrown into the limelight. Those guys' flaws are thrust into the open. And they don't have that blanket or that security of having a franchise quarterback to keep the wins going while they're while they're still growing and learning like you had last year. So I think that people still have to be cognizant of the fact that this is still a very, very young roster, especially defensively. And Chris Ballard is trying to create a culture, a longstanding, sustainable winning organization. Could he go out and do like Ryan Grigson did and sign a bunch of 28 to 30 year old guys? Yes, he could have grabbed CJ Mosley. He could have grabbed a couple other guys in free agency, but that doesn't create a long-term sustainable winner. And that's what he's trying to do because we saw with the last regime, what they did, they did that and they were winning for a couple years, but as the cap dried up and those, those guys got older, they weren't able to sustain the winning. So he wants to be able to draft guys that come in here and play well, and he can re-sign everybody. You know, there are teams in the league right now. You look at Kansas city, they may have to let a guy like Chris Jones walk. Who's an absolute stud defensive lineman because of the fact that they aren't able to pay him. Chris Ballard doesn't want to be in that position. He wants to have all the cap he can to be able to, to bring all of his guys back. But if he's going to bring all those guys back, they have to grow and develop and get better. And that's what was a big part of his press conference is, yes, there needs to be overhaul. Yes, there needs to be improvement. But at the same time, he's really, really high on a lot of these young guys. But we have to be patient and allow them to grow and develop. Well, you talked about, you hinted at Chris Jones. And Ballard talked about veteran leadership leadership and maybe bringing in another veteran, which I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, he uses so much on bringing in young guys, but I think it'd be very interesting to see what the future of Jabal Sheard is. He didn't play as great this year. He was he was hurt the first four games, missed him. But I think it'd be very interesting to see if Ballard brings him back. And I'd be also very interesting, you, you keep hinting at the free agency, how much money we have. I think it's like $93 million. We're second most in the NFL. As of right now, I think it'd be a very good possibility Ballard might bring in a B or an A type level player like a guy like Chris Jones or a guy like Yannick Ngakwe from the Jaguars. I, I think this could be the offseason where Ballard brings in maybe one or two difference making free agency guys. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. And I think that when he brings up the term roster overhaul, I think it really perks my ears because it really brings into question the futures of guys like Pierre Desir. Danico Autry, Jabal Sheard, some of those other guys that, you know, that that are are decent pieces for us. I think they're they're solid starters. But is Chris Ballard is Chris Ballard, you know, satisfied with those guys being on this roster and being starters on this roster? I think that's really going to be interesting. Well, he said uh, if we could find a, if, if we can make an improvement at a position of need, we will do it. Yeah. 
yeah, and I think I think that that really I think that that really brings into question guys like that their future on their team. I mean, they're good players, but the fact that he brought up veteran leadership, obviously, he doesn't think guys like Autry or Sheard or Desir are filling that role. So, does he feel like that because those guys aren't filling that role with them being aging players and Autry underproducing and Desir having you know kind of injuries throughout his career, does he feel like maybe those guys are expendable and they move on from them? I'm really interested to see what he does on that side of the ball. And that's something you know, I really like about Chris Ballard is even when he signs, re-signs guys, more not really Kenny Moore because he's a building block, but you look at guys like Mark Lewinsky and Pierre Desir, guys that they've re-signed for three-year deals. But, you know, if you cut them, you know, in the middle of their contract, they're not having a big cap hold on your roster. Well, and that's another big thing with him in, in terms of not – spending all of his draft or spending all of his free agency money or their cap is that, you know, if you sign a guy for to a multi-year deal to a mid-level deal and it doesn't work out in the first or second year, you can cut him without, you know, having a bunch of dead money that impacts your ability to sign the other guys. I mean, it allows them the flexibility because the, the Desir contract was somewhat of a gamble because, you know, he had been injured and, you know, he had his probably his best season last year as a pro. So that was a bit of a gamble. The Glowinski contract was a gamble. You know, the the Kenny Moore contract was a gamble because he really only had one quality year as a starter. So those contracts were gambles. And really up to this point, only one of them's panned out. But the good thing is that because we have so much have so much cap space that Chris Ballard can really cut those guys. And it's not going to impact the dead cap to be able to re-sign other guys. It's not going to really cut into our cap to be able to re-sign Costanzo if he decides to come back or if they decide to give Ryan Kelly his extension this season. None of that's really going to come into play because they have so much cap. So that plays into it, I think, also, is that he can be more kind of kind of aggressive with these deals that he wants to make with guys that they like that have proven themselves on the roster and be able to cut them without saying, oh, well, we don't have the cap to bring in another guy, so we're just going to have to stick with this guy. I think that that's another important aspect to it also. But, yeah, he's going to have some interesting decisions to make with some of those veteran guys on the roster. And, you know, you talk about defensive free agents. I think that this is a great year for them to dabble into that if they want. Um, You know, they have Hargrove from – uh, Pittsburgh, that's going to be a free agent. A lot of people don't think he's going to be able to come back. Uh, you know, Chris Jones is up in the air. Yannick Ngakwe is up in the air. It'll be interesting to see if they kind of nab one of those guys and be able to save one of those draft picks for for another piece, um, considering the situations they have with now quarterback, potentially left tackle, you know, some other things. If they want to fill a spot with with a quality defensive line piece this is one of the free agent classes to do it so it'll be interesting to see how they how they handle that going into march and like we've been like we're going to start saying all off season this is probably the biggest off season and probably colts franchise history i mean i i, I wasn't around for the baltimore era or really pre-manning so uh this is probably the biggest free agency and off season that the colts are going to have to deal with so we're very excited of course to be able to cover it for you guys all off season uh, it's going to be very newsworthy. We're going to be on top of everything, so we hope you guys stay tuned for all that. We appreciate you guys coming on and listening to the show. We hope you guys have a good rest of the day.